viewers, welcome to EMS at Sea Level. I am once again joined by the lovely, delightful Eric Miskell, publisher of EMS Now. Eric, great to see you again. I was going to say in person, but at least on Zoom. No. How have you been? I am good and lovely and delightful. I've been called many things in my life, but <laughs> that's top of the list. So <clears throat> um, that's good. I'm good, Phil. Good to see you. Good to see you. So you have been, you have undertaken a survey, which I find a bold thing to do. It's always a challenge. There's always a uh, a lot of work getting through a survey. Tell me a bit about the the survey you've been working on with IPC, predominantly on the North American EMS market. Right. So yeah, we launched this last year, kind of a uh, survey of a basic survey of the North American EMS market. Uh, so United States, Canada, and Mexico. Um, and the intent was to identify um, the companies that are here. You know, I'm, I was inspired by Dita and Vice in Germany and Europe and being able to identify all these companies. You, you come to the North America, you say, who's here? And we all just kind of guess and speculate and everybody has partial lists and so I thought, well, yeah, maybe it does a service to the industry to try to, you know, gather some of that data. So we made a, an initial attempt at it, uh, which is what the report is. It, it's certainly not all complete, uh, but it's a good first go at it, I think. Mm -hmm. And I will say one of the big driving issues here is, you know, uh, the onshoring, reshoring, yeah. you, know, you wish to call it. I think that's that's definitely real, and we see it coming back. Um, and so I think it, it's important to know who the players are, not just the big ones. Everybody knows mm. the EMS, right? But some of the smaller regional ones. And as we go yeah. through, we can highlight some of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that regionalization thing, the the idea of manufacturing in region for region, is uh, huge yeah. and. Um, yeah, I mentioned that in my my column uh, last Friday, but um, I think understanding the readiness of the um, the U.S. industry, the Mexican industry, the Canadian industry to deal with that um, is a big part of, of of how that can be how that can be driven and and what benefits can be derived. Um, so take me through some of the results. Give me a kind of a snapshot of what you've what you found, and by all means, if you've got slides or whatever. Um, yeah. So um, I'll skip some of these and get to some of the the quick over. You know, the, let's get what we had. Ultimately, there were seventy four companies who we included in the study, and I should make mm -hmm. that include. We had more that. We had a lot of duplicate people of different parts, so we had many more, we, and it took a while to kind of get through this. We had some who were foreign companies who just joined in and added their information, had absolutely nothing <laughs> in America. So thank you for that, but we had to kind of, you know, scrub them out a little bit too. Yeah. So the 74, and I'll talk a little bit about that, and we do have some profiles on some of them that we will share uh, as when we release this. The main qualifier, of course, is that you have to do PCBA as a core service to be considered mm -hmm. in this. Um, also, of the 74, I would say, you know, about 70, almost all, most of them were North American based. However, I mean, based, headquartered. Um, 
there were several who were from uh, outside of North America who had facilities here who participated as well. Um, and the data that we share then is only from, uh, comes from what reflects only the responses of the people who, who participated. Um, so some big things, and jump in, stop me wherever you wish here, Phil. You know, I, I started just asking, you know, what are the services? And of course, PCBA, they'll, they'll all say they did because that was the qualifier, right? All 100%. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to me that that 80% and above that threshold, if you see kind of what are they doing, it's, it's that material purchasing, prototyping, box build, NPI, you know, testing service, yeah. all these things. I mean, it, what it, it speaks to me to a very robust, you know, uh, ecosystem of EMS here that are, that are not just doing PCBA, but they're mm. a, giving a full suite, the, 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 the S in EMS, right? The service. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're doing quite a bit. There's another category, and I'd say a lot of the things in other categories tended to be items that could have been uh, categorized in um, some of the other general areas, but people chose to highlight them. But a couple that kind of stood out is the metal fabrication and yeah. even you know, semiconductor dicing, right? So again, and it speaks- that's a, that's a curious one. Yeah, and it speaks to the uh, to the capability. I mean, we have a lot of good capability here is what it tells yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think the materials purchasing part of it is, you know, is, is huge and hugely important, more so now than ever. But uh, I think, you know, uh, when I look at what customers are looking for when they bring stuff back on shore, I think managing their supply chain um, and being a manufacturing partner um, are kind of side by side. You know, you need to be able to do both. Um, they want direct fulfillment quite often. They want um, the purchasing. If they're going to regionalize stuff, they want to shorten the whole supply chain, not just the, not just the part that the EMS is doing. So I think that's you know, very significant. And, you know, and what it really speaks to me having, you know, kind of start been studying this industry for 20 years, right, is, is how the efforts of the EMS industry to expand its suite of services has been successful, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It used to be they all tried to do this to get better margins and to, you know, yeah. get, get, get in deeper with their customers and they're successful at doing so is what this tells yeah. me. Um, I did a basic operations overview and I'll go through some, but I tried to, I asked people, you know, specifically, because I wanted to force a face, focus on North America, was how many manufacturing facilities they had in each country, how many, how much manufacturing floor space and also SMT lines, right? Mm -hmm. the, the respondents to, to kind of identify that as such. And they'll yeah. give also in other areas. And I'll just kind of step through some of these because within this, there's some interesting data and it's, you know, so here it is, how many manufacturing facilities? You see, well, the vast majority of the people we spoke to were, you know, had facilities in the United States yeah. and Mexico and Canada. And if you see under the other, there were still 76 kind of outside of you know, North America. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what this reflects is, as it says on, on the slide here, is, you know, we got a lot of US-based companies who had facilities in Mexico. We've, yeah. that's been the case. And it'll be interesting to track that moving forward because I think uh, more companies are buying into Mexico and that more will be happening down there. Um, yeah. But also the facilities outside of North America, I think really reflects, we're fortunate to have uh, several tier one and tier two EMS uh, participants in this. 
Um, and uh, I think that, so the stuff outside of it reflects mainly those larger tier one, tier two players. Yeah. And I think when you talk about regionalization, there's a flip side of regionalization that that means to be a successful global player, you've got to have a manufacturing footprint in the Americas, in Europe, and in Asia as well, even if it's specifically for customers um, and for supply in those regions. Yeah, no, precisely right. The next thing, you know, what we asked about is manufacturing. How much is there? We're just kind of curious, right? Hmm. Uh, and I always like this because when, when I was with Charlie Barnhart, we used to size it a kind of, uh, we had a metric, which was, uh, you know, uh, a thousand square feet of manufacturing foot, play, foot space uh, should equate to about a million dollars a year in annual revenue. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can play with those numbers a little bit to see how, how big um, the, our respondent pool was. So that could yeah. be what 52 million in the United States probably reflected manufacturing here at least right so yeah um there's what this told me is there is a lot of manufacturing space in North yeah. America, right if there's a lot in the United States and then but and of course there's more outside of here right well we knew that right that probably reflects those yeah. in China with those mega factories over in Asia and that is still in, in a lot of ways as you and I've discussed over the years on these shows um, the manufacturing, it's the factory of the world still in China, mm. things done. Um, so it'll be interesting to track this moving forward as yeah. well and see how this might be shifting. Yeah. And tracking is what it's all about, Eric, you know, laying down, laying down this kind of baseline and benchmark allows us to see in 12 months time, in 24 months time, whether stuff shifting to back to the U S or whether it's shifting into lower cost regions like Mexico, Yep, um, and really understand what those key trends are. Yeah, and lastly, let me just get through the, the SMT lines. I was curious, yeah. how many you have right, um, and again, large. Look at that number in the United States, right? Um, uh, we have a lot here, and I think that what's happening in Canada and the USA is probably certainly more of a low volume, high mix type stuff. Mm. And uh, you know, that's one of the items that you know, as I stop and think about the data and what we had. You know, what does it tell, right? One of the learnings, you know, I don't know that that high volume will ever really come back, right? A lot of that went to China, might probably stay there. You know, it'll be curious to see with the geopolitical stuff and sentiments being what they are in various parts of the world, how some of that might migrate. Um, but I think the vast majority will be that low volume, high mix. But then if you think about that, that's so much of what's happening, right? What people mm. are building, most of these OEMs, right? Um, and especially with the customization of products, right? Um, it may, you know, maybe there are fewer lines that are running 24 seven, just <laughs> pumping out the yeah. same, right? So. Yeah, and I think you're right when you look at that change in the manufacturing geography and, you know, it's more, there's more sentiment than, um, than reality at the moment. And I, but I think reality will follow it if you're manufacturing very, very high volumes with very limited variability, um, it's easy to manufacture those in a single location and distribute them around the world. And, you know, again, that depends a little bit on the footprint of the product yeah. um, in terms of how that's done. But there's no doubt that there are some very large OEMs that are telling their manufacturing partners hey, we're going to be manufacturing in a much more regional way in the future. 
And if you want to be part of that, your footprint needs to reflect that. So, um, you know, we're talking to companies that have been told they need to be in the Asian companies that have been told they need to be in the Americas for exactly mm -hmm. that reason, or European players that have been told they need to be in the Americas if they're going to yeah. fully support their customers globally. So, you know, you know that's driving trends. Yeah, and a lot of that was was because of the industry sectors, right? We always talked about the three C's, the the and there I just flicked the computer, the consumer, and the communications. That was a lot mm -hmm. of the stuff, right? And I always thought about, you know, we talked about the regional. Is that Mexico is kind? Of, I used to refer to them as the three A's. It was automotive, aerospace, and appliances, right? Yeah. <laughs> Those were, you know, that was that was a good area for, and that's changing within Mexico too. But they're still very yeah. strong within that area. Yeah. Um, and and this just, I we ask kind of which, what are you in, right? What sectors are you serving here? And it, and it's you know the stuff that you would expect. The interesting thing to me within this, Phil, though, is is kind of what came in the other category, right? And people, yeah. and I saw some of this when we were in uh, during my Europe trip in December as well. Agriculture was is is a growing thing. Yeah. It's going to start breaking. And these were something that used to fit into industrial. Industrial was yeah. a, it didn't fit. Me. So yeah. Throw yeah. it in industrial. You can you can argue it there. Robotics I find to be a fascinating one. That's yeah. just boom, getting bigger, moving forward. You know, we used to keep that in industrial, and some of these could. There's a blending of the of the sectors as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We'll see some changes here. Um, yeah. You yeah, you know, there's actually definitely there's changes within and we'll we'll touch on those in in other shows. But we talked about the automotive industry and as the automotive industry industry starts to change substantially from internal combustion to um, EV, that's having an impact on the supply chain. You know, car companies are reviewing how they work with the different tiers in their supply chain. They're they're reviewing the the regional base of those, and they're fully aware that they're going to be a lot more dependent on the electronics um, that are in the in the vehicle. Absolutely. So they're forging closer relationships and close closer partnerships, particularly with global players. So um, yeah, there's no doubt that there are some some changes there that we'll be able to monitor using no, these results. Abs absolutely agree on the EV. You know, I was thinking of those it, it, in a. If you look at the EMS injury over history, kind of what there were hit these waves, product waves that grew it, right? Computers, then cell phones, mm. uh, the networking stuff, right? I think EV is really the one that's going to hit it now. I think with the adjustment yeah. that, um, and you see those EV companies everywhere now, right? They're coming up, you know, and there's such growth potential within yeah. that. You know, there'll be failures, but there were in all the other sectors as, as yeah, of course. too, right? And the ability to leverage EMS companies um, who become enablers for them, right? You don't have to invest in yeah. that manufacturing so much. Um, and with all the electronics going on, I'm really starting to think that the EVs, as, as you're indicating, is that next great uh, growth wave for the EMS. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a real inflection point. And I think, um, yeah, I think it. it 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 is one of those one of those big opportunities, and I think there are plenty of EMS companies, particularly the the middle tier and the larger ones that that are recognising that and are really gearing up, and you know maybe almost playing a little bit of that ODM role where they have some intellectual property or they've built some design muscle that's very specific to 
um, the automotive sector so they can support the the car makers. So yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And just interestingly enough, you and I will be doing a show on EVs here in the future. Yep. Um, yeah, that's coming up quite shortly. I think that's yeah, I forget so, when yeah. is it. Now you talked about the sizing and kind of that group. This just kind of reflects by you know what percentage of our of our seventy four companies were in which ones. And if you look, over sixty percent uh, were under fifty million, right? Yeah. So is this the structure of the of the North American EMS industry? And yeah, you know, again, we were fortunate to have some uh, some tier ones, you know, you know, give us some good data. Um, and I think, you know, it might be, but this too will be interesting to track because, you know, there's a, as you well know, there's a big growth going in that middle. There's that, that urge mm -hmm. to merge and get bigger, right? And yeah. size matters more, especially with, with, with the purchasing power. And so this will be interesting to watch to see how this will grow. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, it'll, that, that big 10 to 51 will shrink some because that's a good target area for acquisition. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's fascinating. And I think, you know, we, we've talked at length about the acquisition side and I've got a piece coming out, I think in Fast Company in the next day or so um, called Chasing Scales specifically on that. But I think what's interesting is when you look at some of these companies under, under $50 million, you know, maybe in that 30 to $50 million sweet spot, they're doing pretty well. They've got some nice gross margins. Um, they've probably got a better net margin than the big players. They're attractive to anybody that's kind of over two hundred mil as a uh, as an acquisition target. So they're looking they're looking pretty good at the moment. The challenge they've got is is their supply chain that's you know causing causing them causing them a lot of a um, lot of a lot of stress so there's a shortage of components there's a shortage of talent for them to deal with and that's sucking cash into the business so there are some challenges but for me that's always been quite a nice spot to be in and if you've got some really strong key accounts and really deep partnerships and you're producing products that aren't as price sensitive as a as a smartphone or a or a laptop um, then I think you know that's that's an industry that you can have some some good success in, particularly in the um, in the U.S. market. Oh, absolutely! And and as you know, I mean, other companies, other EMS from other countries are starting to look at to the U.S. for acquisition. Yeah, of course, buying up here, and because they've maybe grown up in Asia or Europe and developed, and now they're looking to. As you were indicating before, growing and having that footprint to yeah. truly serve that that customer base and what their customers are expecting. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating, fascinating um, cultural integration when you have a Asian company wanting to buy a, a U.S. company or a European um, company yeah. wanting to buy a U U.S. or a Mexican company. You know, these are companies that have grown up. In quite a different environment, and when uh, when they come together, it's 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 really interesting to to see to see what they recognise within within each other that adds value. Because as I look at those different regions and and have done for um, for years, um, you see different you know different qualities. And I visited lots of um, lots of EMS companies in all different parts of the world. And when I look at particularly the North American ones. 
I think they have a unique agility. They have a innovative um, spirit that perhaps you don't see elsewhere. They have this strategy of kind of middle management, having quite a lot of control, you know, being able to make decisions on the factory floor and, you know, actually making that work within a much larger environment does have its own, does have its own challenges. So, um, yeah, I think people have to understand and surveys like this help you to do that is what does make the US industry unique? What are the what are the really cool parts about it? What are the parts that, that make it so attractive? And how do you how do you buy into that without actually spoiling it? It's a, it's um it's an interesting it's an interesting yeah. challenge. And I think we're in for a really interesting and pivotal decade for the EMS industry. No, I, I think that's true. And it's interesting, you know, I'm thinking about what you were just saying there, Phil, about the whole cultural element. You know, if you think back 20 years, the way they did mergers and acquisitions, you know, the buying company just dominated the other one. Yeah, right? you'll be like us, that's it. Yeah, wasn't necessarily very sensitive to how that whole, you know, how that was going to go down. <clears throat> Nowadays, we're, people are, and the companies are much more sensitive to that, mm. I think give a lot more. And I think COVID probably reinforced a lot of that with the pandemics, the importance of the people and taking care of the people and, and making sure you're keeping the people because, you know, retention and, you know, is a challenge uh, yeah. in a COVID world still. And uh, uh, so anyway, I think I like to think we're doing that a lot better these days. Yeah. Years ago, yeah. So. so getting back um, to the survey, um, where, where are we going to be able to see this data? Um, and what's the what's the what's the plan going forward? Yeah. So what we're going to do? Good question. To to wrap that is um, as soon as we do this, the, the the one thing we've been waiting on is that there was a profile. I'll just click on it. Here's a list of some of the companies. Not all of the companies mm -hmm. have a profile included. So we had to scrub that. Then we what we're doing is we're developing this into a spreadsheet, uh, which has been a bit of a technical challenge to post on the website so people can go yeah. in and, and pull this. So this has been the only hiccup here at the end. Uh, we should hopefully have that solved shortly. Uh, we're just gonna post this. So um, uh, we're gonna make this, you know, it's free to the industry. We're gonna post yeah. the website. Uh, Jennifer, the editor, will make sure that that happens. Um, if people who are watching this wish to have a copy and can't find it on the website, please reach out to me directly. Yeah. Uh, make sure to get that to you. And you know, my my ask then moving forward is, you know, <laughs> a this reminded me of how frustrating market research is, and uh, so, <laughs> um, but I I'd like to try to keep doing this on an annual basis just to do some trend analysis moving yeah. forward in the industry. And I think that that's insightful and useful and would be helpful to the industry. So um, hopefully maybe do this every, at the end of every year, run a similar survey, and hopefully in the years out, we get more participation as people see what we're doing. So yeah, 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 no, I think it you know, I think it makes sense. And it's, it's, it's great to lay down a benchmark. And I would say to anybody that's an EMS company, take a look at the list of participating companies. If you're not on there, make sure you are next year. It's, um, you know, it's, it's not that hard to fill in a survey and, and get your data out there. And as this becomes a, a more significant resource, people will, um, 
people will look to it to find their uh, EMS partners and to learn a little bit more about them as they have with the reports that are um, put together by DTVice and the like overseas. So yeah, I think it's I, I think it's um, it's really valuable for the industry. Um, it would be remiss not to mention your partner in this process, IPC. Um, I guess they will be also sharing the data through through some of their own channels. Uh, yes, I believe they will be. So they will have the same, um, essentially the same slide deck that uh, that I'm showing here. I'll share with them the profiles as well. And mm -hmm. uh, absolutely, they'll do that. And so we thank them for their participation, collaboration in this. And, uh, you know, again, they do various other research on the industry. And I want to be very clear that we aren't competing with them. And you know, um, covering the same ground. So yeah, no, I think. And, all data, and lastly, all data let me let me add too. This is free. We're not charging anybody mm. for that, right? So anybody who's interested in seeing this or wanting, please just you know, when we post this here, you'll see it posted on the website. Um, just download it. It's, it's yours yeah. to look at and how and uh, to study. If you have questions about it uh, or have any questions about the industry. You know how to get a hold of me, just reach out and I'm glad to answer any questions. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great way to meet some fascinating people. I'm sure as you've gone through those companies and uh, um, bumped into a few C suite execs, you've, uh, um, you've built some new relationships, which is hugely mm -hmm. valuable. Eric, Absolutely. thanks so much for your time. Pleasure to chat. Thank Keep you. Keep up sir. the good work and we'll, um, we'll talk again soon. Bye bye. Thank you.